today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Do you anticipate the goodness of God on a daily basis? I wonder what God is going to do today. I, I wonder if He's got a surprise. You know how kids are with surprise. He have a surprise. You do what? Well, I can't tell you because it won't be a surprise. And then you're surprised. Wow. How much more, Heavenly Father? You can say that with confidence. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. Our world today is somewhat of a dark, dangerous place, and efforts to help people are coming in from all sorts of sources. Physical health and exercise will help. Mental health is important. But as Pastor J.D. teaches today, our world needs first to focus on our spiritual health. Strong, healthy, mature believers are what's needed. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. It's been said that the Bible will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from the Bible. Has it ever dawned on you? I mean, consider this. Think this through. Has it ever dawned on you that that was his intended purpose from the very beginning when he started tempting you? And it usually sounds something like this, well, hey, you know, you can always ask for forgiveness. So it's not a sin to be tempted, James says, again, when we get to James. It's a sin when you give in to that temptation. And then once you sin, oh my, he's right there. Oh, now he's changing his tune. I can't believe you did that again. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. And here the Lord is just waiting with open arms. And Satan paints this picture on your Christian life of God waiting with a baseball bat. You're going to get it now. I keep your distance now. Confess it. Let me just qualify what it means to confess your sin. You're confessing sin as sin. In other words, you're calling sin, sin. I know that might seem elementary, but (laughs) that's another thing we do. We kind of take the edge off of it. So we don't really call it sin. So now the sin of adultery is not adultery. That's, whoa, that's, wow, that sounds horrible. So let's call it an affair. Ah, oh, seems such, so much more plausible and amicable. It's, oh, it's just an affair. Or how about this one? I, my favorite one is, you know, I just got some issues. <laughs> issues. No, it's actually sin. Confess it as such. Because, see, Jesus came to pay for sin, not issues. I'm sorry, but I know that's, uh, for lack of a better way to illustrate it. See, Satan's very clever, and 
subtle, very intelligent too, by the way, and strategic. He gets us to kind of switch the, the labels. So if we don't see it as sin, it's not that serious, not that big of a deal. Then it's taken outside the scope of God's forgiveness. And unless and until we confess sin as sin, then it's hands off. No, get to the cross with that sin because it was all paid for. All of it was paid for. (laughs) Let's move on. Number five, a spiritually healthy Christian and church learns to be content. Now, one would not necessarily think contentment would rise to the level of being included in this list of the writer's exhortations, but when you consider the propensity for financial impropriety under the banner of a love of money, then this makes sense. Stay with me. I think of the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy in his first epistle, chapter 6. The, probably the most misquoted verse in all of the Bible. It's money is not the root of all evil. Money's neutral. It's what we do with the money, whether immoral or moral. It's the love of money that is the root of all evil. And I'll tell you, as the Apostle Paul by the Spirit writes to Timothy, you will rue the day that you became greedy and loved money because you will pierce yourself through with many a sorrow. How many people on their deathbed lived with such regret, chasing the almighty dollar? Just a little bit more never having tasted from the sweet cup of contentment. Apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content, whether I have a lot or I have little. Here's the thing. If a Christian or a Christian church is given over to this, then it's really only a matter of time before devastation will ensue. And I I think the statistics bear this out as well. Be content. Be content with what God's provided you. This thing about greed and loving money and being all about the money, to your own peril, you do that. Larry Burkett, the late Larry Burkett, who's with the Lord now, the founder of Christian Financial Concepts, used to have many sayings that uh, have always stuck with me over the years, but One of his uh, sayings was that the way a Christian handles their money is a spiritual barometer. Let me say the same thing in a different way. You can gauge the spiritual maturity of a Christian based on how they spend their money, how they are with money. That's how you can 
gauge where they're at spiritually. It's a barometer, a thermometer if you prefer. You can take their temperature, those vital signs, and how they handle their money, what they do with their money. I'm not going to get it, by the way, this is <laughs> the only time we ever talk about money here is when we're at a place in God's Word where God's Word's talking about money, okay? For those of you online, especially if you're new, <laughs> please, please, please know. First of all, we don't even receive an offering here. Now, nothing wrong with that. I don't know if you happen to notice, we've got a couple boxes on the back wall. When I uh, first came here and started this church, I just made the decision, again, nothing wrong with receiving an offering, but I just made the decision that God would provide our every need financially. And I just am uncomfortable. And because of the abuses from many a pulpit and many a church, where the first 20 minutes is all about, we need, we need your money. And then, you know, the music's playing and they, anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go this far into it. But I mean, I, anyway, <laughs> you're sitting there and it's, it's kind of like the person's looking at you and go, oh, I better put something in this thing. And, you know, they pass, and then they pass it around again. Hey, we, you, you didn't put anything in. You know, it's, it's kind of like, no, God loves a cheerful giver. We have never wanted for anything. Whatever we have had need of as a church, God has provided. This building is a miraculous testimony of that. Boy, I'll tell you, there were times where I'm like, Lord, you got a problem. <laughs> we don't have any more money, and we got a lot more renovating to do. And God's like, don't worry. I'm, I'm testing you. No, God, I thought I already passed this test. Now I've got to retake it. I say, hey, retaking tests has to do with the whole faith thing. I'll never forget those Friday morning meetings. Oh my goodness. We sit there, we got the, the folding table, no AC yet, so hot. And, you know, we got the windows open, you know, praying for the trade winds. And here we got all the papers and they're, you know, spread out over the desk. We're looking at these big numbers, huge numbers. I'm like, oh God. What are you going to do, God? <laughs> you got a, you got a financial issue, issue here. It's a financial problem here that I tell you, He always, always, always provided, and He's never stopped. Learn to be contemporary. Verse six. Spiritually healthy Christians are not filled with fear. The strength with which the writer emphasizes this, I think, can be easily missed at first read, because he kind of couches it in terms of, do not be afraid, because God is going to provide for you. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. You know, I would venture to say that verse 6 of Hebrews 13 is for us today, because the writer of Hebrews is emphasizing that do not be afraid of what man can do to you. Yeah, they might be able to threaten your employment. Yeah, they might be able to require this or restrict that or do this, but God's got it. 
you have nothing to be afraid of. And, and in fact, he, he says, we can say with confidence, that's pretty strong. Again, the strength with which he emphasizes this. It's not a, it's not kind of an iffy, tentative, you know, do not be afraid, you know, cause, you know, what can man do unto me? And no, there's a sanctified confidence here. Apparently, you don't know who my God is. You're messing with the wrong kid. What, you're going to threaten me? I don't fear what you can do to me. I do not fear what man can do unto me. How about when Jesus, I'm not angry. I see, see, maybe I am, I don't know. If I am, I need to repent if it's not a righteous anger. But you know, interesting Jesus would say, do not fear man killing the body. Fear the one who can put the soul in hell forever. I think it's been, I'll probably butcher this. Maybe you can search it for the correct way to say it, but it basically goes like this. If you fear man, you won't fear God. And if you fear God, you won't fear man. If you're living your life to please God and you're not a man pleaser, you've got nothing to worry about. If you fear God, you've got nothing to be afraid of. Fear God, not man. Do not be afraid of what man does. You can say with confidence, a sanctified boldness, a holy boldness, if you prefer. The Lord is my helper, and He will never leave me or forsake me. He will always provide whatever I need. And then some, by the way, don't you just love it when God over answers a prayer? You're like, oh God, this you're, you're too good. It's like God going, I know. God, that's, you're too much. I know. God, I didn't even, I didn't even ask for this. I know. I just like to spoil my kids. Oh, look at how we are. Come on, be honest. Don't you just love to bless your children? And you're fallen and sinful. How much more your heavenly Father? Oh, He takes delight in blessing His children. When our, when our kids were young, our boys, we, we would have to sit them down sometimes and just remind them that contrary to what they think, uh, their mom and I do not wake up in the morning thinking to ourselves, first thing, man, I wonder what I can do to discipline my child today. No, it's the opposite. I wonder, I wonder how I can bless my kids today. Oh, I love them so much. How much more, our Heavenly Father? Have you ever thought about it like that, that when you wake up in the morning, God's already figuring out how you can bless your day? Do you anticipate the goodness of God on a daily basis? I wonder what God is going to do today. I wonder if he's got a surprise. You know how kids are with surprise. He have a surprise. You do what? Well, I can't tell you because it won't be a surprise. And then you're surprised. Wow. How much more, Heavenly Father? You can say that with confidence. 
Verse 7, lastly, a spiritually healthy Christian, a spiritually healthy church, considers their leaders examples. Um, This is interesting. The writer is actually going to expound on this in verse 17 concerning those in leadership, the pastors, the leaders, the elders. But here the emphasis is on looking to those leaders, those examples, and the writer of Hebrews is careful to to specify that he's talking about those who spoke and taught them the Word of God. These are the teachers, the pastors, the leaders, the elders. And look to them, but don't just look to them, consider the fruit of their lives, and not only consider the fruit of their lives, imitate it. It's like the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul was a godly example of a man of God. And the younger men needed to look to somebody like that as an example, as a godly example. Here's this man. And and by the way, Have you noticed anything different about guys like that? And it works for the women as well. Have you watched these men and women of faith, these men and women of God, look at the fruit of their lives? And by the way, they don't have it easy. In fact, in most cases, they actually have it harder. But look how they're holding up and standing strong and remaining steadfast and enduring patiently. We talked about that in Revelation chapter 3 to the church of Philadelphia, no less, the church of brotherly love. They obeyed the command to endure patiently. Those are the examples. Look at how they handled what you're going through now. Look at the fruit of their lives and imitate them. Do what they do. That's your example. Look at the fruit of their lives. Look at, look at how healthy they are how spiritually healthy they are. Oh yeah, they're hit with the same trials, if not worse than the trials that you're hit with. But something about them is such that they're immovable. It doesn't derail them. It doesn't defeat them. It doesn't shake them. I love it when the Apostle Paul says, I think in Acts chapter 20, he says, and I just would Oh, you know, sometimes when you're reading the Bible and you just read them, they're just words on the page. Oh, you, you don't get the, I wonder if there was a growl in his voice when he said it, you know, because it's not what you say, it's how you say what you say. I could just picture the Apostle Paul saying with a growl in his voice, nothing moves me. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. This is the Apostle Paul we're talking about. Nothing moves me. Oh, if there was ever a man that should have been moved, it should have been Paul. Have you seen the list? Oh, he, by the Holy Spirit, provides the Corinthian church with the list. I don't make it past the first one on the list. 
I mean, the beatings, the whippings, three times. I, I get one, not one whipping, 39, you know, 40 minus one. One lash. <laughs> I'm out. I'm, I, I can't handle that. Three times. How about shipwrecks? Listen, I, we, we, and we read past it and read over it, and then we just move on. Shipwreck. How many times was this guy shipwrecked? How many times was this guy stoned? And I'm not talking about that. I mean, you know, they, they would throw large rocks and stones at the person until they died from the crushing blows and the internal bleeding. They would stone them to death. What a horrible way to die. And they did that to Paul. In fact, they left him for dead. They thought he's dead. Let's go home, eat lunch. What's for lunch? Outside of Lystra. Some believe that he actually did die, and that's when he was caught up to the third heaven, and God showed him the glory that awaits. And for 14 years, the apostle Paul does not utter a word about it. And then finally when he does, he talks about it in the third person, and couches it in terms of, I could have gotten really heady and really proud and written a lot of books about being caught up to heaven. <laughs> I would have went on a speaking tour. I'm talking about myself now, not Paul, obviously, you know. You know, I went to the speaking circuit, and I was caught up to the third heaven, and shown things that you could not even speak. So what does God do? He gives him a thorn in the flesh to humble him and keep him humble. This is Paul we're talking about. Can you imagine what he went through? Look at the fruit of his life. Even at the end of his life, when he writes the last words that he would pen by the Holy Spirit to Timothy, basically saying it's just a matter of time. And he, he knew it. I'm convinced the Lord has a way of revealing that to His people when that time has come. I knew, I believe that Paul knew that it was just a matter of time, and he was right. So there he sits in that cold, dark dungeon, chained to a guard, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And in his last words, he says this to Timothy, I made it. I fought the good fight. He doesn't say, I, I ran the race. You know, he says, I finished the race. And now, <laughs> there's that growl. <laughs> there awaits me the crown of righteousness. And not just me, but all of those who long for His appearing. That's us. That's us. Oh, that's a guy I can follow. That's an example I can imitate. That's the life that is fruitful, a life of faith. This is a guy that is a role model and an example of what it means to live a life completely surrendered to and in service of 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you heard today may have encouraged you in your faith. There are many revered Bible characters mentioned in the book of Hebrews, people who lived ordinary lives but amounted to much in God's eyes when it came to faith. Perhaps you might be the same. You're living your very ordinary life, striving to live for God, but sometimes you make some harebrained decisions. Thankfully, God's looking at your life and your faith as a whole. This should be encouraging to you. You don't have to live up to perfection. Continue following this series with us in the book of Hebrews to gain additional glimpses of faith lived out. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Hebrews. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God has been putting on his heart. Faith is something that's ongoing, so keep it up. Join us again on In Spirit and Truth. Oh.